From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm and Neil McCready coming to you this morning. Neil taped uh, three different interviews yesterday. That's going to be your uh, your show, a trio of guests here on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. We're going to talk to Taylor Zarzer, one of Neil, Neil's former co-hosts on the uh, radio, a lot of golf, some college football. Also going to talk to uh, NBA writer Tony Jones, and we're going to talk to uh, Dead Soxies Jason Simmons. So that's coming up on the show today here in a few minutes. We'll lead it off with Taylor. But first, I'll tell you about the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can use the Speed Pass Plus app. You can uh, save uh, touching things by doing that. You can pay. You can uh, make it as minimal as possible there when you fuel up there with the Oxford Exxon. You can also go next door to the Oxford Crystal. Use the drive-thru. You can put your name in the uh, the Fish Bowl on April 27th. They're going to pick... A name from each uh, each bowl at all What a Combo Crystal locations in Mississippi. Free crystal for a year for the people that they pick out there. And again, coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South in Amory. And whether it's now or later, Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy. He has great service. He gets you quotes within 15 minutes. Uh, all around excellent situation there with Clark Ford. If you want to buy a vehicle right now, he'll do his best to take care of you with as much social distancing as possible with that. So, again, that is uh, Clark Ford in Amory. And now we'll lead off the show talking to Taylor Zarzer with Neil McGrady. My uh, longtime friend, Taylor Zarzer, joins us on the podcast. Uh, sir, normally this would be a time when you would be coming off of the Masters. You'd be getting ready for – all sorts of stuff. A lot of golf, some spring football, some college baseball. You'd be watching your Red Sox. I'd be watching my Cubs. We'd be cussing them every night, uh, stuff like that. And uh, all that stuff is by the boards. It's got to feel really weird to you. Yeah, I mean, I think the only good thing that's come out of this is that the Red Sox aren't playing baseball in 2020. But uh, <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, it's a very unique feeling uh, all for all of us. And it was interesting. I was like many people clearly because the ratings were remarkable for it. I rewatched Tiger's win that I was present for last year. I watched it this weekend on, on CBS, and he was saying how just his subconsciously, like he just thinks he's supposed to be in Augusta right now, and um, his body just thinks he's supposed to be playing in that tournament. And um, I've gone through some of those feelings as well, just where it's just you wake up and you just realize, wait a minute, I, I'm supposed to be in Augusta. I'm supposed to be calling this college football spring game or baseball game. And then uh, the last seven years or so, April has been maybe my busiest month of the year for travel. Today, I, I typically, this is one of my most fun days of the year as, as we're recording this, Neil. I usually fly to New York yeah, and um, get to interview, spend about an hour with uh, the Masters winner and parade around new york and he gets to come to the sirius xm studios and the two of us just go on this tour and i show him at each channel and they get to program their favorite channel and it's just a, a cool experience and i was actually uh going to take my ninth grade daughter uh on that trip with me this year and um you know obviously that didn't happen but we're we're very blessed we're, we've got our health and um everybody still shockingly has smiles on their faces 
Yeah, it's a lot more family togetherness than you're used to. I mean, I know you and Betsy and the, and the girls are close, but you know, I, there there are some there is something to the rhythms of that create some daily separation at times too. You know? Oh my gosh, yeah, and I mean, we we really make the most of the time we have together because of my traveling. But my thirteen uh, year old daughter Grace asked a couple weeks ago. She said, "Dad, when are you leaving again?" <laughs> I, mean, I think it's uh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are going through that right now. Kermit Davis was telling me that his daughter looked at him. He corrected her at the table by an elbow on the table or something. She said, looked at her mom and said, when is he going recruiting? (laughs) I mean, can you imagine like somebody like him or, you know, a a football coach or uh, it it, it really is wild. I mean, being so involved in the golf world, I mean, think about professional golfers that are in their 40s. Like, I have a real close friendship with this guy named Zach Johnson, who won the Masters, won the Open Championship, great player. He, um, I was talking to him last week, and he said, Taylor, this is, like, never in my life have I been home like this. You know, you're gone 25 to 30 full weeks of the year if you're a professional golfer. And, um, you know, to be home five now i guess going on six consecutive weeks not leaving that's it's a wild experience and who knows how much longer we're going to do this yeah you know it's funny you say that because I, you know this I'm, I'm good friends with andy kennedy we we i covered him all those years and and you know and the, once the once he wasn't the coach anymore we could kind of build the friendship a little bit and um i remember talking to him about hey man you're tearing it up at sec network and stuff and, and i can say this now because he's back in coaching but he said he said yeah you know Thanks, but my body clock, my body clock tells me I need to be at the camps. I need to be recruiting. I yeah. can't. I can't turn that off. And you're right. I mean, it, it applies to you. I mean, your body clock says you should be in New York right now. Um, you know, your body clock. The, the golfers, their their body clock tells them they should be leaving Augusta and getting ready for the next stop and and adjusting and and, and making the rest of their plans and and all that stuff. Baseball players. It's got to be a it's got it's got to be an incredibly weird feeling just for coaches and and people that that do something that every year is the same. It's Groundhog Day and, and all of a sudden it's not. Yeah, and and you know it's interesting talking to a lot of players on the PGA Tour who have said that they're really not practicing right now because they all practice with a purpose. They're all the you know this is what all of this practice is for, and they don't know what they would be doing that for Rory McIlroy, who's the number one player in the world. And my wife actually was asking me on one of our uh, several walks per day. (laughs) She was like, who's just the best guy out there? You know, just the most complete total package of anybody out there. And I said, happens to be the number one ranked player in the world, which is pretty cool. Um, He is just so well-read and genuine and thoughtful and, that's pretty neat to have that combination. Um, but he, he said that, I mean, he said, I'm not playing right now, not because I'm mad at golf, but I just, I always build towards some event and some finish line, some goal. And, you know, professional players, at least they, they can't do that at the moment. So that's, that's unique. And, you know, but if you're uh, a lower level athlete than that, if you're an amateur at any level, high school or, or college, then I really, my heart breaks for those people yep. because I know that they gave the, the spring sports um, an extra year of eligibility, which is, which is great. But you know how many 
of those guys are and girls are really going to do that. You know, they're they're probably going to most of them are probably going to move on with their lives, and, and a lot of the schools are going to encourage them to move on with their lives because they're going to have all kinds of financial repercussions of this. And so, the, the point is, is you're not ever going to get this time back. I, I picked my daughter up the day that um, we canceled North Carolina high school sports. I picked her up and I'd already seen the email and I saw her running with her buddies in an outdoor track practice and just all laughing smiles on their faces. And none of them knew as they were running towards the end of that practice, what their, their coach was about to tell them, which was your season just ended. And for the seniors, your careers just ended. And you know, that that's the part of this. That's just really heartbreaking is that you'll never get that experience back. And, you know, just having so many, much of your audience being Ole Miss fans. I mean, can you imagine all the spring sports that were practicing, sure. you know, when this happened and yeah. those seniors on all those different Ole Miss teams that'll never get to play their sport ever again at the competitive level at that's the part that's hardest to swallow about yeah. this. Or even, you know, the the, guy, the men and women that got a season back. Uh, but you don't get a season back with that same group. You don't get to have that natural, you know, that's a conclusion to a season that's normal in team sports. You know, you either win a championship or you m- most likely don't. I mean, you know, usually your season ends because you didn't qualify for the postseason or it ends with a loss. And there's a there's there's a there's a bitterness to that, but there's also a bonding to that, you know, and yeah. and and there's a natural thing. And and when your season ends because someone outside says it's over, that's a that's a different thing, you know. I was talking to someone about this today, Taylor, about um, the spring getting lost, and and I'd never even thought about it like this. I was just kind of peeling the onion back a little bit, and it was, hey, you know, these colleges, man, they missed a spring, and I was like, yeah, they did, but you know, if they get to practice in July or August, they can make that up. I said, you know what? I started thinking about. It. I said, you know what can't get made up is not the not Johnny High Four Star, and certainly not Johnny Five Star. He'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But, but Johnny high two-star, Johnny low three-star, who's trying to get that scholarship offered to UAB, to Middle Tennessee, to uh, Troy, to someplace like that, who didn't get an opportunity to work, to practice in front of college coaches, didn't get an opportunity to go to like Rivals Camp Series stuff, didn't get an opportunity to go to, I don't know, you know Alabama's camp, Alabama State's camp, whoever's camp, whatever, right? right? Didn't get a chance to go do all of that, and they're behind. And when the colleges, at some point, I assume, they'll get to start recruiting again, when they do, it's going to be such a scramble that I don't know that they'll have the amount of time necessary to find that kid. That's a really good point, and I mean, I, I can certainly connect to, to what you're saying. I mean, these these names will mean something to you, probably not to most of the people listening, but I went to high school in Mobile, Alabama at a place called St. Paul's, and I was a, a pretty good high school golfer that had a phenomenal senior year, and, and golf is, as you know, a spring sport, so I had a phenomenal spring my senior year, which led to a college golf scholarship to Huntington College in Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah. So to your point, that if this had happened in the spring of 1996, I wouldn't have been offered a college golf scholarship and not played golf in college probably. Or, or if I did, I would have played somewhere else and um, not had the great experiences I had in college where we came so close to winning a national championship at our level every year, all four years I was there. And... Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, it, it, like you're saying, 
I know for some they'll have that chance again, like you know, and and with an extra year of eligibility. But I don't know if you saw this from Barry Alvarez, the athletic director at Wisconsin, who was of course the coach there for a number of years. He he basically the, the entire school at Wisconsin has said we're not going to honor that next year. We I'm sorry, we can't. They, all of those uh, students, student athletes will receive degrees, and um, we're so glad that they're Badgers for life, but um, we're not going to grant them an extra year of eligibility because we financially can't. And that's going to be fascinating about this, is, you know, if if the, the, the all these, every school has already lost so much money, and if the football season is compromised in any way, whether it's, um, not played at all, or we only play a conference schedule, or only play ten games, or you know, it's not the full strength schedule we typically get. I think you're going to hear more schools say that. That while it's a great rule and we support the rule, we financially cannot achieve that. So I'm going to be fascinated to see all the ramifications that come of this uh, in the years to come. I get beat up for bringing this up all the time, so let the record show that Taylor brought it up in this particular conversation, and I just followed up, so you can send your uh, emails to Taylor. I'm kidding. Uh, the, the you talked to I know I know the majority of not the majority, but you do a a lot of your work with golf, and it's fantastic stuff, and it's it's uh, taking your career to places that uh, uh, most of us thought you would eventually get, and and you're doing it in golf, but you still do a lot of college football. You still do some college baseball you do some stuff like that where you're around college administrators i know you have more contacts than than you would probably brag about when you talk to people right now taylor what do you hear what do what 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 sense do you get what kind of a gut feeling do you get from talking to people just listening to people about what college football might look like in the fall well i mean i would tell you that two of my closest friends are influencers at ESPN and one runs college football and the other is a outstanding producer at, at ESPN as well. And they're, they're saying the same things that, that I'm saying they're, they're saying, we don't know what the world's going to look like, but they're all, they're all speculating the same way that I'm sure you're doing. And, and most people listening are, you know, Laura Rutledge, who's a great friend said this this morning on, um, on ESPN, which was that she thinks that there's no possible way that we're going to get this schedule off in time. in, in September, you, you heard what Kirk Herbstreet said, I'm sure a couple of weeks ago oh, yeah. that he'd be shocked by it. You know, I don't, I don't know that I've gotten to that point yet, but I would say that I certainly understand where he's coming from. And, you know, you just look at Rutgers, for example, that, has told everybody they're not going to return on campus till September the 1st. Well, there's no way they're going to allow people to practice on their campus before September the 1st if they're not going to allow any other students on. I can't see a scenario where they would allow football players to have special rules and no one else. I understand what everyone thinks about it being a big business, and that's not the argument I'm here to have. Um, what I'm here to have is the optics of allowing football players to do something different from the rest of the athletes or the students on campus would be a horrible image play by the NCAA. I think that they would get so just terrible ramifications and the risk connected to that. So point is, is if schools are saying you can't come back here till this day, there's no way that football players are going to be there before then. And if that's the case, 
with no spring practice and everyone working out on their own and a lot, you know, the overwhelming majority of football players um, not coming from, you know, the most financially successful backgrounds, meaning they don't have the place they work out is on campus. That means they're not in proper condition to play a football season. And you need to make sure they're in the best condition they can be before you're ready to play a football game at the Southeastern Conference level. So I say all that to tell you, Neil, I, I'm, I'd be extremely surprised if we are starting the season when we plan on starting it the first Saturday of September. I think it's much more likely that, um, you know, we're, we're at least a month or two or three after that. But that's what they're saying. They're, they're saying the same things that I just said. I, I talked to a friend that who I won't say his name, but he's extremely involved in, in college football who said that he thinks that the season's going to start in January. I, I don't know that I've arrived at that point yet, but this is somebody that is extremely connected to the sport. That's very involved in it and thinks we're, we're going to have a, a winter season yeah. next year that, that begins in January. Uh, I could, I could see us getting to that point. I, I think that maybe it's me just holding out some hope, but I think, I guess my mind right now is is kind of trying to believe that it's going to be a little bit later into the fall when we start playing football. Yeah, it's funny you, you say that because I've there's just over the last couple of days a, a lot more buzz about a, a winter season, a spring season, a, a season where the preseason begins in January and the actual season begins in late February, early March, and goes through May. Uh, and then I have and then I have more people that say, hey. And this is where I'm going to circle back to golf and, and maybe even the NFL a little bit and kind of pick your brain. I have other people that say, here's the thing. College football can't go first. It won't go first. Because college football does not want to play games in empty stadiums, and they sure don't want to do it if they're going first. Too much liability. As you mentioned, optics are awful. Uh, they just, they just, I don't think they'll do that. So someone has to go first at some level. And when that topic comes up, people point to the PGA, they point to the LPGA and they go, well, maybe, maybe they will go because it's a different deal. There's obviously, you know, there's no, you're not exchanging spit and blood and, and, uh, and sweat on a golf course as much. Maybe they'll be the for lack of a better terms, guinea pigs. Maybe we can see them do it, and they work out some of the kinks, and we can follow suit. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, I think that there you're going to hear an announcement in the next couple of days from the PGA Tour of when they intend to come back, and I think it's going to be the latter part of June, if not the first of July. I, I think that's, I think that's kind of the time that they've marked to come back and play, and I think their intention is to either have a limited amount of fans or no fans at all. I mean, I can tell you that they have had a lot of discussions about having no fans there on the property to watch a golf tournament. And, you know, it is, it's a lot different at the professional level, as you've referenced. I mean, in in the stick and ball sports where you have the NBA, you know, the NHL, MLB, NFL, we're talking about 30 some odd teams, you know, low 30s in terms of how many teams. And if you use some, a, a couple of parks, a spring training parks in Arizona to have your games, or if you use some facility in Las Vegas, 
um, you know, something like that in order to to facilitate your games. Well, there, there still is so much big business that's tied to that in terms of advertising and television uh, audience and gambling. Uh, all of, for all of those reasons, I, I think the leagues would still make a lot of money, and, and certainly the PGA Tour would be part of that as well. They're not so reliant on daily attendance at a PGA tournament, you know, where you're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen to twenty thousand fans at a regular tour event. They're more reliant on like where I live, Charlotte, of for Wells Fargo being the sponsor of that event and all of the amount of mentions that Wells Fargo is going to get on television and everywhere else anytime the tournament we have here in Charlotte is mentioned. So those things are much more important. But at the collegiate level, as you know so well, I mean, the the event that is an SEC football game at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium and that place being filled to capacity because Lane Kiffin is their coach, and you've gone over this on a day-by-day, if not a hour-by-hour basis on podcasts like these, the, the decision to get rid of Matt Luke and bring in Lane Kiffin was to sell merchandise. It was to sell tickets. It was to get more fans yeah. interested and to spend more money, which you can completely understand because yep. Lane does move the needle. But if you all of a sudden say Lane Kiffin's going to coach the football team without anyone in the stands, well, that that's a loss of millions and millions of dollars every single Saturday of people not purchasing merchandise and not purchasing tickets. And, um, I, I, that that is a huge part of the college model. It's the reason why Arkansas is paying two coaches eight figures right now to not coach their football team. It's because they had twenty thousand empty seats uh, every single Saturday. And trust me, I saw it. Yeah, uh, I, did. I know you were there a lot <laughs> last season. I didn't. For you some went reason, to more Arkansas games than Campbell did. So I was uh, about. Yeah. It was coming out of my mouth. I did not see <laughs> Campbell McCready at any of those games. I think but, she went to um, two. Yeah, but uh, God bless her for that. But, you know, that's the reason that they got rid of Chad Morris is because they thought if he's not our coach, we're going to sell more more tickets each Saturday. So uh, I think here's the the thing that's interesting to me is that when people do this with – we'll use Arkansas as an example. Why not? Arkansas has a big TV deal. So even if Arkansas said, okay, we'll we'll sign off on this no fan thing, it's going to be a total loss, but we'll get some of our money. The problem is, is in for college football, you've got, what is it, 113 programs roughly? I don't know, 110? 130 at the, yep, the FBS level. So you, yep. probably, you probably got to do them all. They all got to play. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss and Arkansas and stuff, they got a lot of TV money on the line. I get it. Dayton doesn't. Akron doesn't. Uh, Charlotte doesn't. Mm-hmm. If they can't have fans in the stands... Taylor, there's no point in doing it. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you in part by Dead Soxy. If you're already a Dead Soxy customer, first, thank you. Secondly, here's all you have to do to uh, introduce more people to Dead Soxy and get free Dead Soxy stuff of your own. Uh, take your personal referral code from Dead Soxy, send it to your friends and family via email, text, or social. And uh, for every new customer you produce, uh, you'll both get $10. They get $10 in free socks. You get $10 in free socks. You can keep uh, earning freebie socks for life because there's no limit on how much you can earn. Just share your link and collect the rewards. People helping people as we all should, especially right now at Dead Soxy. It's deadsoxy.com. We're also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. 
It is located at 320 East Pearl Street. It's uh, the perfect place to enjoy lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. And it also uh, specializes in on-site large event catering for up to 250 people and off-site full catering services, especially beverage catering. So if you're planning a birthday party, a graduation celebration, a rehearsal dinner, or a wedding reception, you want to be able to enjoy the moment, and the Iron Horse Grill is your answer. It's a one-stop shop for beverage services for a 250- to 500-person wedding or even a 3,500-person gala. It's one of the largest beverage caterers in Mississippi. It can service the entire state. So call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs. Knock that off your worry list and let the Iron Horse Grill make your event one that is memorable forever. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles, great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. All you do when you go in and see Gene and Sandy is tell them you heard about Grenada Nissan on our podcast or at RebelGrove.com, and you'll get Rebel Savings on top of the already great deals at Grenada Nissan. Uh, we're also brought to you by Nest and Wild. Sleep better with a Nest and Wild mattress. Nest and Wild is a Mississippi-based mattress company making a high-quality mattress delivered right to your door. They make buying a new mattress easy. Every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, giving you comfort and support that will last. A lot of online brands sell an 8-inch or 10-inch mattress with less support and durability, but not Nest and Wild. From the twin to the California king, every Nest and Wild mattress is one foot thick, 100% American-made, and the pricing is competitive when compared to the rest of the mattress companies. And in fact, we'll make it even better because we're going to give you a promo code that I'll tell you about in a bit. It's a no-risk decision. Nest and Wild believes in their product so much, they're offering a 99-night trial on every mattress. So try it out. Sleep on it for 99 nights. And if you don't like it, you can return it. Nestandwild.com. Order your mattress. Use the podcast code REBEL20. That's REBEL20. And get 20% off your purchase. And uh, your mattress will arrive at your door in three to five days. No, no, it, it, that's right. And so I'm, I have heard one scenario where they would only play, conf, you know, power five conference games. Um, and, and again, I, don't, I just don't know that the NCAA is going to sign off on something like that where it, it, it separates the Joneses even further than they're already separated well, at the it, moment. Well, what which, it does is it's a permanent divorce. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a couple that's having some problems and, hey, let's just let's separate for two weeks and get away from one another. That's the end. That's yeah, it. Yeah, it really would be. No question. And I – Because if, so, like, if you're ULM, for example, I mean, you know, I mean, I'll, I always make ULM jokes because I've got a master's from there, but let's, let's use them as an example. If they don't get their four paydays – to go play Auburn or Georgia or whoever, if they right. don't get, they're they're done. They, yeah, no, they can't have a it, season, and they'd be better. It'd be it'd be better for them not to do anything. And they'll shut it do, down. I mean, that's the right. end of their baseball program. It's the end of as many women's sports as they can get away with. They'll have to completely reclassify and other deals to go down to a, a, a lower scholarship number. It's it's night night. I mean, and it's yep. it's that way across the board. And and it would only take one season to get there. So again, this is why I think that you're not going to see college football come back without fans at the beginning of September. Um, it's hard for me to believe at this hour today that we're going to be filled with fans the first Saturday in September. So to me, and again, this is just a best guess for me today, but I think very similarly to what I referenced Laura Rutledge saying earlier, I think that it's much more likely to see 
a later fall or into the winter um, football season with fans in the stands. I think everybody wants, I think they think for the reasons we just outlined, they want to come back at full strength, but that might be a ways off. I, I absolutely though, Neil, think we're going to see the pro sports, including the PGA tour go fanless for a while because they can. And it's, it's a much smaller number of, of teams. And, you know, in the case of the PGA tour, you're asking a hundred some odd golfers to go out on the golf course and they need a couple of dozen people in order to, uh, to, 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 workers to put on a tournament like that so and they're so separated by miles and miles of acreage out there on the golf course so i i don't think that um i don't think that the pro sports will have as much problem pulling off a, a fanless event but i it's hard for me to believe that college football would do that taylor czars are here with us i know that a lot of the the uh the golf world you know is from different countries and stuff but no a lot of those people live yeah. in in the states during the, the season and that kind of thing so it might not be as a big of a deal as it is in my head but obviously there are some travel restrictions some travel oh, issues that, big time that could really change the landscape of the sport when they when they come back in the summer right oh my gosh i mean you're right to some degree that there are those guys i mean i'll tell you one for example rafa cabrera bello who lives in spain had decided that he was going to come over at the, in the, uh, we were at the Players' Championship in Ponte Vedra down there covering that event when all of this stopped. And, and he had decided to come over here through the Masters, not to go back to Spain and then come back again. Well, when this happened, he, had to, he was going to move tournament to tournament and stay over here, but instead he had to rent some house in, in Florida, and that's, that's where he and his family live now. Um, through the coronavirus. They don't live in Spain anymore. They live here now. Uh, but for most of these people, there, there are guys like Lee Westwood, who, who lives in England, or um, a player named Bernd Wiesberger, who lives in Germany, who's one of the top 25 ranked players in the world. They made the last flight out of the United States back to their countries. And that that is a thing that I do wonder about, is the PGA Championship has been rescheduled August 6th through the 9th. And the idea that by the time we get to late July, England's going to be in a position where they're going to allow people to travel over here, I, I don't know. I'm, I have some concerns about whether or not Lee Westwood, who's had a, at the age of 47, has had this renaissance season and become a, one of the better players in the world again, I'm not sure if he can get to the PGA Championship in California. Um, that will be a, a real issue. But, but yeah, you do. You, you have a, a fair amount of players that live in London, and you have several that live in their respective countries that are in the top 50 in the world. And so if you had the Masters in November when they're planning on playing this event, that is a huge concern to them because they pride themselves in being the best international tournament in the world. And uh, I know they don't want to have it unless all their participants can get there. Yeah, I know there are people out there right now saying, man, so much is going to change between now and then. This is this conversation is going to be ab obsolete. I can tell you that both of us certainly hope that's the case. I, I, yeah. I, hope, I hope that people play this tape and go, we can we can giggle at it and go, man, we were wrong. and we were every, Everything's back. But this is what people are telling us today when we talk to people. Um, who are the – assuming that most of a golf season, if you will, is lost or pushed way back, who, who are the guys that – from a legacy standpoint, stand to lose? I mean, obviously, 
you know, this was going to be Tiger Woods. It was it, like it always is. It was going to be his masters, his masters to to lose. We were going to watch Rory make another run, all that stuff. Who are the if 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 time is lost, if ultimately it's, mm-hmm. it's a lost year, who are the people that opportunity passed them by? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think that Rory it would be the first guy. I would say. I mean, he's he's thirty. He's not forty five. I mean, he's got plenty of time to to still make hay on the on the PGA Tour and and professionally in the game. But uh, he, in my judgment, right now, or at least when the year ended. Um, or is halted was unequivocally the best player in the world. He's he's ranked number one, but he was playing like it just to, from a consistent consistency standpoint on a week by week basis. This guy was finishing in the top five, and I think that you just know you just don't know. You know, a couple months from now, like I said, if he's not practicing now, how's this game going to come back? You know, what is he a hundred percent healthy? I would say that this is these are the you just wonder how many of these type of chances are you going to have playing where you're the the best player on the planet to win a masters i think that that rory would be the first guy i would think of now having said that you know in november when uh the temperatures are cooler and the golf course is going to play longer he would be one of the first people i would pick right now but you just don't know what he's going to be like and and you know what the conditions will be like in in november so he he would be the first person that that I would say probably loses the most out of this. But then, really honestly, Neil, the the people that lose the the most are the players that were fighting to get their PGA Tour cards. Those guys are going to have so many less starts when the tour comes back. That were the journeyman player that is thirty five years old that's been going up and down between the the you know the triple A version of the PGA Tour, which is now called the Corn Ferry Tour, or the or the PGA Tour. Those are the guys that really lose a lot because they're going to have ten to fifteen less starts a year, and you know most years they would start thirty tournaments, and now they're only going only going to have somewhere around 15 you would think by the time the season ends so those are the guys that that lose the most but no question when you're the best player on the planet like McElroy is and you can't play golf right now it's definitely wasted time did you look at the major league baseball proposal about half the teams in florida and half in arizona for a year and just dividing having new divisions and all that stuff did you see it and did you think did you think that's even possible I did. Um, I think it's more. I, I think I'd be surprised by that. I think it's likelier that all of the teams go to Arizona, and that all of them play out there and try to salvage some type of season. And you you can use a couple of different spring training facilities. I will tell you this: that you know, just in in my time getting to know professional baseball players, and I love the state of Florida. Who knows? Maybe I'll live there one day. But um, all of them that have spent time in Arizona or Florida would prefer to be in Arizona in terms of just the amenities that they have, the conditions of the parks, and just uh, for a number, a myriad of reasons, I think that most of the players would prefer that. And I think that, you know, just being, going out there at least once a year to cover golf tournaments, I can tell you that the, the greater Phoenix area all other parks are in such close proximity yeah. and much closer in terms of distance than the parks are in Florida. I think that that would work a lot better. 
than than doing anything down in in Florida. So it's just the um, heat in Arizona with all of those. Oh, it's going to be all those listen, outdoor games. Oh my gosh! I mean, they're going to have to start all of them. You know, at at seven o'clock at, at Pacific or Mountain Time. I always get confused because they don't ever change their clocks in in Phoenix. But uh, there it is. It's going to be nine ten o'clock on the East Coast when these games start because of what you just said. And um, yeah, it it is going to be wild. I. I have a hard time believing baseball is going to start at any time in May. I, I saw that proposal. It's just, it's hard for me to believe. I, I think we have a few more weeks of significant loss of life, unfortunately. And um, as long as that's going on, and if there are a couple of cities that all of a sudden are going to hit a spike in this, like D.C. has been one, one area that people think is really going to be impacted this week and next, it's just hard for me to imagine, Neil, that we're we're going to start this a few weeks from now. It seems like it's, to me, it seems like it's more, it's likelier that it's a few months from now. I meant to ask you at the beginning, what was your, what was your kind of moment? Everybody's got a, everybody's got a moment where they realized, oh man, this is real. This is going to impact my life. This is going to change everything. Was, where were you? What what was kind of the moment that it hit you? Well, I was, um, the day before the players championship started, um, I was walking with a, a buddy of mine that plays on the tour named Jason Kokrak, and he was playing with Pat Perez, who some listeners will know has got really long black hair. He's a, one of the more colorful players on the tour that does some work for us at SiriusXM. And so I was walking with Kokrak and Perez and uh, two other young players on tour, Siwoo Kim and Colin Morikawa. And I, I watched them play the back nine at the stadium course, TPC Sawgrass, and they were playing the most famous hole in the in the in America, if not the world, the yep. Island Green Seventeenth Hole. They Even were all I know shooting that one. videos. Yeah. They were all shooting videos. They do this really cool thing on Wednesday where caddies have a closest to the hole little contest. So all our caddies are hitting shots and they're shooting videos. And we are walking around the most famous hole in America and to that Island Green. And I got a text from someone that was going to this dinner that they have for the PGA tour and the commissioner who said that he, he thought that things were about to get very serious in our country. And we there was a chance that we we're going to have to shut down this tournament. And I was like, come on. And I showed it to the people I was walking with that are on the tour. And they were like, I can't be right. And, uh, and then sure enough, two hours later, we have what happened obviously in the NBA game. And I mean, that quickly we went from this can't be right. We don't believe this. Just like many people that are listening, you know, I don't buy this. People are, the media is exaggerating this to a couple hours later. Oh my God. Like, this is very serious. You know, an NBA player's got coronavirus. We can't be near each other. And the next day, the tour still played. And said, "Well, Friday we won't have fans, but tomorrow we're we're still going to play with fans." And I thought, "Wow, uh, we this might be the wrong choice, and we might be behind now when it comes to what we're doing in this tournament." And um, sure enough, obviously everything got canceled on that Thursday, and and then Thursday night the players got the text message from the tour that their season or the the tournament and the tournaments coming up had been canceled. But walking around that hole. I got a text from a high-ranking uh, person in the PGA Tour who said, 
um, there's a chance we're going to have to cancel this tournament. This virus is going crazy in this country. And the, the person that sent me that would never speculate about that kind of stuff. I mean, and, and never, you would just, he's just not the kind of person that, like you and me, that wonders what trade's going to happen in the, yeah. you know, Major League Baseball. Yeah. It has fun having those kinds of conversations. He's a nuts and bolts kind of guy. And um, that really was the moment for me where I realized, wow, we're, we're about to go into uncharted territory for a very long time. All right. I'll save the most important question for last. Do you think Carol Baskin did it? Uh, without any doubt. <laughs> and um, my wife now greets her students by saying, hey, all you crazy mathematicians. And I'm like, that is just, I just want to scream when she says it, you know. <laughs> Uh, but n without any question, um, her husband is somewhere on that property. No question. And, uh, I certainly think Joe exotic is crazy. And who knew that everyone that owns a tiger is crazier than anyone we know, but I had no idea that that industry was as absolutely wacko as, as you could uh, ever believe. But, um, no, Carol Baskin is, and I think that her husband, her new husband is involved oh in some way too. Yeah. That, that guy, that guy, you talk about it, someone that gives you the creeps, you know, that yeah. you run into somebody and you just can't wait to get the hell away because they're not doing anything to you, but you, you think there's just, there's everything's wrong. All your, all the alarms go off. He's that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 like a sickening attorney, just line by line, um, how meticulous he he was through all that. But it, it's crazy that all of us watched that, and all of us thought this is just absurd. And yes, let's watch another one right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we all were like, this is just outrageous. Hey, you want to watch another one? <laughs> well, we've been watching that, and then we finished that, and we watched. Was the one with uh, Reese Witherspoon? A, a thousand little fires, or a thousand fires everywhere. How was that? Um, it, it it's solid. It's Laura likes it more than I do. Um, she likes it a lot, and I have. To I'm disappointed in the in the new season of Ozark. Yeah, see, um, see I, I I got in. I, I watched season one of Ozark, and I thought it was fine. It didn't do for me what it did for a lot of other people, and it might just be because you know me pretty well. I, dark stuff. I can only watch it in certain modes. I, I can't. I can't always dial that up. And I, you know, I mean, I and Ozark at times got a little dark for me, and so I. Oh, I, it's extremely dark. But now they've they've kind of run out of. You can tell they've run out of ideas um, this season. Better Call Saul has gotten really good at the end. Um, we've got two more episodes to go in this season, and the and the next one's coming out tonight. So I've I was a huge Breaking Bad fan, and it's pretty cool to see. All of the same characters, minus Heisenberg, um, on uh, on Better Call Saul, but that's pretty good. But yeah, I we're we're trying to think of of new things to watch every single day. I think that by this time next week, we are all going to be so fired up about the last shot. Uh, the, I'm so glad that ESPN moved that documentary up to it, it being you know released i guess this upcoming sunday but it's a 10 part series and i would think that most of us a week from now are, are going to have watched at least the first one saying this is just unbelievable i i never knew neil that that some crew had that kind of access and i, I, I can't wait to see it yeah i can't wait to see that either i've been watching Shit's creek and laura hates it and i i, I think it's funny and i'm it's, it's a reflection on my lack of intelligence i think 
<laughs> but but uh, but no, I can't wait for that. And then I'll watch the draft, and then that'll get us into May. And I, I'm I, I can kind of feel it hitting me a little bit lately for the first time. I was fine for a month because I mean I have no life anyway. So I mean having no life was not much different from not having a life. But but a month later, it's like okay, when are, when are, when are the kids going back? When are, I mean seriously, yeah, I, yeah. I got I got to have I got to. Everybody's like, is that, is it weird working from home? I'm like, no, I've always worked from home. What's weird is working from home and everybody's here. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. And I think that a lot of us have said this is great. It's really healthy that we've become so close again and we've had all this time together and this will be something we always remember to. Okay, now we're at week six, and at week ten, we're just not going to be able to be near each other. And I, I think, I think a lot of people yeah. can relate to that at the I, moment. I told Campbell, I said, if you if you get to go back in August, we won't see you again until Christmas, right? And <laughs> yeah, she's not. And she yeah. just kind of looked at me like, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens yeah. with Thanksgiving, but yeah, probably. <laughs> I like, got a note like, from American Airlines saying that there's going to be uh, they're going to extend my executive platinum status and that i'm not going to have to do as much in order to retain that status uh, in the in the future but um i can say i would admit that there's a part of me that has dreamed about going back on the road and getting to cover the greatest sporting events in the world again and i'm sure everybody that you know travels or has jobs that they love um can't wait to do the same thing yeah i can't wait for you to get back and do it too i'm not as you know i'm not a huge pro golf guy but if you put a professional golf tournament on my television right now i would get locked in i'd be like (laughs) i'd probably send you i mean seriously i'd probably send you a text and go give me 10 people to watch Um, yeah so we need something well listen tell betsy and the girls that uh, i said hello tell your mom i said hello next time you talk to her as well and uh hope you stay safe and look forward to seeing you somewhere down the road yeah, likewise to all the McCradys. Appreciate you, and um, it's glad to glad to connect again. All right, bud. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care, man. We'll see you. Bye. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust, based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle Trust provides detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle Trust, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle Trust will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's Pintrust.com, P-I-N-N Trust.com. Mention you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You get 10% off your first year's fees. We're also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. When this is all over, everyone is going to want to get away. They're going to want to get out of town, get out of their homes. They're going to want to go on a vacation, and you want to book one that will create a lifetime of unique memories, and that's where John comes in. He's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits that are simply not available to other travelers. All you do is you give him a call, you give him an email, and uh, you give him some parameters, you give him a budget, and uh, he'll give you options. You don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services, and uh, he's great at what he does. He'll take great care of you, 901-494-3387, or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Oxford University Bank, OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford 
When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, all with a personal touch. OUB offers its customers the absolute best cash checking account. It's called Casasa. And with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. They also have a commercial checking account now paying 1% interest. As long as you keep $10,000 in the account, it comes with fully interactive online banking. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group. They're dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. The firm is built on decades of wealth management experience, and they've seen it all. Their financial advisors have a reputation for professional excellence, and their clients rely on their high level of confidence and integrity. So whether you need guidance on developing a financial plan, creating a customized executive benefits program for your business, or preparing a detailed asset allocation analysis, Bluff City Advisory will provide forward-thinking and cost-effective investment strategies customized to uniquely fit each client. 901-365-3447 or email ben, that's B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. And we're brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. Thanks to Taylor for uh, giving Neil a little bit of time yesterday. We're going to jump right back into the interviews, and Neil's going to talk to uh, Tony Jones, NBA writer for The Athletic. Tony Jones of The Athletic joins us on the uh, podcast, and uh, Tony had a story out with uh, Shams, Charnia, and who else was the byline on that, Tony? I can't remember. Uh, Sam Amick. Yeah, Sam Amick. Sorry, I, I should have known that. Uh, one of the best reported stories that I can remember in a long time, regardless of genre, sports or otherwise, it was absolutely fascinating. It was about from the uh, kind of following the Utah Jazz through that night in Oklahoma City, the night that frankly uh, changed the sports world and in many ways changed the world that we've been living in. First of all, man, from and I know people want to talk about that night. People don't want to talk about the reporting, and we'll get past the reporting in just a minute. But as a reporter, I have to just tip my hat. Uh, that was remarkable work. It was, it was fantastic. I read it uh, two, three times got new things out of it every time. It was just a uh, tremendous piece of journalism. And as a reporter, kudos. I I uh, really appreciate that. It was it was really a team effort and, you know, for just to, you know, kind of let you know how, you know, how much there was to kind of, you know, kind of unearth. I mean, the three of us, you know, worked pretty tirelessly for an entire month to, to get, you know, the level of sourcing and the level of information that we had um, um, for that story. And, um, and I thought, um, I mean, it was, it was definitely something I was, was, was proud to be a part of. Yeah, I guess so. I read it that morning was like, wow. Cause you and I'd been communicating a little bit and I was trying to get you on here and, and uh, you, you disappeared a couple of days. And I thought to myself, I, I bet they have something big coming. And there it was. And it was, um, uh, 
Yeah, it was just remarkable. It was it was so insightful, really, because it's the irony, Tony, that that it's a jazz player that is patient zero, right? Uh, was was stunning when you read how in tune with the coronavirus the jazz organization was how much frankly almost quinn snyder the coach of the jazz almost seemed and i don't mean this in a bad way kind of obsessed with it was really dialed into into what was going on had talked to people in his family and and he had roots back in seattle which was one of the you know uh outbreak first outbreak sites really in the united states and for it to happen to the Jazz in the quick fashion that it did in a court, in, in relation to some of the meetings and conversations that they had been having as, as an organization and subsequently with the team was just remarkable. Yeah, you know, the, the funny thing is, I mean, that's just who Coach uh, Snyder is uh, overall. Like when he attacks something, he attacks something, you know, every no detail unturned. Um, everything is carefully thought through, um, you know, and that's that's when he feels like something is worth um, attacking. He doesn't do anything um, less than 100 percent. And, you know, as we said in the story, I mean, you know, it took him a while to to uh, to to kind of get the guys um, on the same page. It wasn't like they were not taking it seriously, but they were just kind of like, OK, uh, this is this is fine. Um, you know, I'll go and wash my hands an extra 20 seconds, that type of thing. Um, but, you know, Coach Snyder being from the state of Washington, uh, Washington being basically the first hot spot in the country uh, to where, you know, the coronavirus really made um, a, a significant negative impact. You know, Coach saw, saw that and he saw um, what the, the potential was. Uh, for for the spread of the virus, and uh, he kind of wanted to get out in front of it and and uh, and educate his guys. So, you know, that's why there was you know kind of that level of 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 detail in terms of, and and you know multiple meetings, um, you know, concerning the the subject, and you know that's why he bought you know health officials from the University of Utah. Uh, that's why there were briefings, um, you know, with the front office. Um, you know, that's why there were several things, um, you know, that, that coach Snyder tried to do, uh, in, in terms of preventing it along with the, uh, along with the, uh, the rest of the organization. And obviously, you know, it, it still ended up with, you know, uh, one of their players, uh, Rudy Gobert being, um, you know, quote unquote patient zero. So, um, it, 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 it shows, um, you know, the level of detail and the patience uh, that the uh, front office has. And it also shows um, that, you know, the, the virus, uh, it doesn't know a stranger. It could hit anybody, anywhere, any place, anytime, um, any, you know, any background, um, any race, any creed, um, and, and any age. So, um, it's something that that I hope you know serves as 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 something for for everybody to take away from. So I talked to Royce Young last week. Obviously, Royce uh, covers the NBA for for ESPN. Does a lot with the Thunder. He's based there in Oklahoma City. He was there that night. You were there that night covering the Jazz. 
Take me through that day. I'm familiar with generally how the life of a beat writer works on game day. There's a shoot around that morning in the arena, and then there's, you know, you, you guys go back to the hotel, you do some work and stuff, you come back, and things sort of happen. And I know that day, listening to Royce talk and, and kind of talking to other people who were there that day, there, there were some... There were some signs that something was amiss a little bit, but if you would take me through kind of your day as a, a, a jazz beat writer that day, uh, getting ready for what, from a basketball standpoint, was going to be a pretty big game, kind of the battle for the four seed between the Thunder and the Jazz. Well, it was it was definitely a big game because it was it was uh, a game that you know Oklahoma City could have caught the Jazz and overtaken them for the four seed. Um, and and both teams were kind of, you know, the Jazz, for instance, had the Lakers twice uh, the very next week. So it, it was a really, really big game. Um, you know, I woke up, you know, I was, I was at my hotel. I woke up and, you know, and, and, and all of the beat writers had a text waiting for them that, that said that, you know, Rudy Gobert and Emmanuel Moutier um, were both questionable with for, for that night with illness. Um, so we all tweeted it. Um, we tweeted that they missed shoot around. Um, and you know, and then the kind of rumor mill on Twitter, uh, as it does, it, it kind of started taking over. So, you know, the, the beat writers kind of got together and, you know, we went to, um, we went to uh, jazz PR and we said, Hey, you know, can you specifically rule out the coronavirus? Um, because, you know, all of our mentions are kind of blowing up and, you know, and, and the, the mention of illness is kind of vague and, you know, we, we want to know uh, if we can just rule that out. And Jazz PR, they, they told us to keep listing illness as, as the reason why both of those guys were questionable. So your antennas straight up in the air now. Yeah. So once that <laughs> happened, we were like, we went to lunch and we actually had ramen. Um, and ramen in Oklahoma city is like really good. We didn't think it would be good, but it was great. Um, <laughs> and we were all like, you know, kind of, it was kind of still like a joke to us. It was like, oh, well, you know, if one of them tests positive for the coronavirus, I mean, I guess, you know, we don't have to worry about what to write. Um, <laughs> That's true. So, you know, we, we finished lunch. We went back to, to, the, to our respective hotels and, you know, we kind of did our, our, our thing, which is, you know, basically take a nap, get ready. Um, then, you know, then the craziness sort of started. So, you know, at, at, uh, when, when Quinn talked at five thirty, uh, local time, you know, we were told that, that Rudy Gobert was out. So we tweeted that he was out. And then 10 minutes later, Jazz PR called us and was like, uh, Quinn didn't understand you. Um, Rudy's still questionable. So we were went back on Twitter and were like, Rudy is still questionable. Uh, we got to, um, you know, obviously we were at the arena. 
Um, we went upstairs in our seats. Go upstairs in our seats. Tony Bradley's in, in the jump ball circle. So now we know that Rudy's not going to play. Then um, the national anthem is saying um, the starting lineups are announced. And then we're like, okay, let's get this going. Only we don't get it going. And there was almost it was it was kind of a stall, right, for thirty right. seconds to a to a minute where there was it, it was weird because I flipped over to that game. Uh, I I was I was supposed to cover Ole Miss Georgia that night in Nashville at the SEC tournament, and the only reason I was going was because the locker rooms would be open and I would be able to talk to some of the Ole Miss kids who I knew were you know possibly transferring. Uh, one of them was talking about going pro early, some stuff like that. And so I, I was going for that reason. And the day before, when uh, they announced that the locker rooms would be closed to protect the players, there was something that two things kicked in. One, I thought this is bullshit. I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing this. This is dumb. If if the if the or if it's not safe for the players to be around media, then they they don't need to be playing because there's going to be thousands of people there. And then there was something else that just kind of kicked in that said, you need to go back. You don't need to be there. And so I, I came home, and I watched the first half of that game. Ole Miss and Georgia tipped off an hour before the Jazz and Thunder were scheduled to tip off in Oklahoma City. And uh, Georgia had the game in hand, and it was halftime. And I flipped over because I wanted to see Jazz Thunder. And I, there was a part of me that thought this is going to be one of the last games with fans at it for a while. And I flipped over to it, and I saw all the players standing there. And I was—I remember thinking the exact same thing: "We'll throw the ball up, let's play." And and they weren't doing it. And then I saw the guy. And I didn't even interrupt your story, but I saw the the thunder doctor. I didn't know he was the thunder doctor at the time, but I saw a person run kind of to the midcourt, and I thought, "Uh oh." Yeah. Well, so yeah, that was so that was the thunder trainer, and. You know, and then um, the officials went to the monitors, conferred with the league, and the PA just really came on with a kind of an area announcement. Hey, um, the league has to confirm the game. And we were like, what does that even mean? Um, so at that time, you know, we try to run downstairs uh, try to figure out what was going on. Um, and then uh, Coach Snyder takes his team off the floor. Coach Donovan takes his team off the floor. And then, you know, the writers were running to the locker room. We get downstairs and we get to um, we get to the hallway to get to the locker room, which is always an access to the media while it's closed. We can't get through. And then we were like, uh-oh, something's really wrong. Um, then, you know, the, you know, OKC, they start emptying the clip. Like, they bring their halftime show out, have their halftime performance, and this is all before the game. <laughs> this is all before the game. Yeah. Um, they bring their halftime show out. Um, you know, they, the, you know, the mascots and the cheerleaders are doing their thing. The dance team is doing their thing. And then finally, they're like, okay, the game's over. Game has been postponed. Please leave safely. You're all safe. So everybody leaves. People are booing on their way out. Um, but it's just like an eerie march to, to 
um, the exits and, you know, and then everybody's on their phone trying to figure out what was going on. And then, you know, we figure out that, you know, the athletic, me and my colleagues, we figured out pretty quickly that Rudy had tested positive and that's when we broke the story. Um, and yeah, that was, yeah, you're putting two and two together pretty was, fast at that point. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, that was, that was it. And, um, and then, you know, then you had to figure out what to do from there. So it was, and for you personally, I mean, you knew, you knew at that point, Hey, I've been around Rudy Gobert. I've been, I've been around this team. I've been covering them day in, day out practices, games, shoot arounds, all that we'd seen the clip of Gobert, touching everybody's recorder all the, the all that stuff had to go through your mind and then over the course of that evening not only are you covering the team getting tested but you you've got to get cleared right yeah i knew that i'd been exposed to 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 rudy gobert so i knew i had to get a test um but at that time you know i was trying to cover the story as well um, so, you know, we wrote something, we got something online, um, and then, you know, we wrote a, a, a more in-depth story and then all the while we're trying to talk to the league and we're trying to figure out, okay, uh, can we get tested as well? And eventually we did get tested. You know, the game was postponed at around seven ten PM local time. We got tested around 1230 AM. Um, so it was, it was a long night of just kind of waiting and, and, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what the next steps were. It was, it was definitely a, um, it was definitely a, a night that I don't think anybody will forget. No. And, and I think it was definitely, um, it was definitely a process that, you know, nobody will soon forget. Fortunately, you you tested negative. You uh you you got to go home. You I guess you quarantined for a couple of weeks. You and yours, everybody's good. Yeah, I was quarantined in a hotel because my wife is a nurse, and she was like, "You're not coming home." <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then so you know, um, we had a, a big earthquake about seven days into quarantine. It was a five point seven, um, and and um you know i called my wife and i'm like yeah don't like the earthquakes and you know i tried to like use the earthquake to like slide slide back into the house and i was like the kids need me while you're at work because what if we have another one yeah like and she was like well if we have another one, you do what you did, which is you call, you make sure everything is all right. And we'll have a, a guideline and we'll see you on day 14. <laughs> <laughs> so your life, Tony has gone from a very busy beat writer covering a playoff bound team fighting for uh seating with uh, a legitimate chance to, to make a run in the Western conference to, not much to do, right? I mean, I know you have stuff to write and things to report, but you don't have games and practices and shoot arounds to cover. It's it's got to be it's got to be kind of a confusing world for you right now. Your body clock has to be telling you, "Hey, we need to be doing this and this and this," and there's and th- those things are not available for you to do. Oh, my body clock is screwed. Um, I'm getting to bed at five o'clock in the morning every night, like waking up at like two p.m. 
um, playing 2K until 3 a.m. every day. <laughs> I mean, it's listen. I, I, I'm not doing. There is literally nothing that I'm doing. Um, I'm still productive at work. Um, so at least I can at least I can say that. But at the end of the day, I mean, if we had to go back to basketball tomorrow, um, I I would be in trouble because there's like no way I could wake up for a 10 a.m. shoot around right now <laughs> because like my body clock is just like, OK, you just basically just went to bed. Why do you want to wake up? So it's it's definitely one of those things where, um, you know, I think the entire um, ordeal is, you know, affected us all in different ways. But, you know, you know, my days are basically get up. Um, I can't go to the gym. So I do like home YouTube workouts because you've been doing and, a lot of running and stuff. I mean, you'd, you'd worked up yeah. to six, seven miles a day. Yeah, I've been, you know, running at least five miles a day. Uh, not today, though, because it's 40 degrees outside in Utah. Um, you know, and I've been playing my kid one-on-one in the driveway. Um, you know, my 16-year-old is trying to get me out to play volleyball with her, but I'm like, no, I don't want to do that because it's 40 degrees out. You know, so it's 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 different running on the road, like running on the road and running – um, in 40 degree weather, like I have to bundle up and, and all types of stuff. So, you know, just the, the, the different everyday thing in life, uh, things in life that you do, is just, it's just not there anymore. And you just have to do different things. You mentioned you're not covering a shoot around tomorrow. Do you anticipate covering a shoot around at all the rest of the season? Or do you think the season is over? <sighs> I don't know, man. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to think, hard to deal with, hard to, to predict. Um, you know, I think, um, I think there's a chance the season is over. Um, but I also think that, you know, the, the league knows that there's so much money at stake that not having a season would be, um, catastrophic financially. Yeah. Um, um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, it's one of those things where, um, I think the league is going to exhaust, you know, every possibility, uh, into trying to figure out whether, you know, it can, it can play or resume play. And realistically, and they could, a- they could go into what September. I mean, if it, if it came to it to get, to get it in and then change the way that this, the next season is laid out. I mean, I, I know that would be problematic, but that would be. That would be better than than canceling the season. Is what is? In, I think they could start back in June, go to September. Um, you know, have a draft late September, have a free agency, um, in October, have a quick summer league, um, and then, you know, start back up in December with an 82 game schedule and, and, you know, I think condensed the 82 game schedule. Now the problem is they'd have four games and five nights a lot and you'd have some tired people, um, some tired teams, but, you know, I think they could do that. Um, it takes two months for a regular playoff. 
So maybe if they shaved the playoff schedule from all sevens, all all seven game series to all five game series, yeah. maybe you know, and play every other day instead of um, instead of drawing, you know, the the first round out, it could work. Well, man, it's it's going to take some some because first of all, you have to you have to get these guys into a training camp. Um, because none of these guys have picked up a basketball. None of these guys are running, so you don't want to get guys hurt out there. Um, so there has to be a training camp in, in your return to play. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if we can, can figure out a way to continue the season. Do you think it has to be done in once when they mentioned Las Vegas, like Major League Baseball had mentioned all Arizona, uh, NBA had mentioned Vegas. Is is it if it happens? Do you think it has to happen in some crazy deal like that, or is it conceivable that there are games in Salt Lake City and Houston and Los Angeles and and whatnot? Well, I think the answer to that is when you return to play. You know, if I think the the earlier you return to play, the more of a chance you can have some kind of normalcy to the schedule. Um, if you are trying to come back in in August. Um, and you have to do like three game series, then you almost have to do it like a March Madness type thing, um, and and play it in you know one or two sites and 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 kind of whittle it down that way. So I, I think I think you know there are so many questions that still need to be answered that people just don't know the answer to. Um, you know, and it, it'll be interesting to see if if you know, the rest of the country is medically cleared um, to, to kind of turn to return to work and return to normalcy uh, and, you know, and, and how that affects the sports leagues. Last thing, because one of the most fascinating, it was kind of a, only the, the NBA fans got, were fascinated in this. The people that were reading your story from a coronavirus uh, TikTok standpoint, they probably glossed over this a little bit. My uh, my 13-year-old son, who is an NBA junkie, he's a Thunder fan, and he has a love-hate relationship with uh, Donovan Mitchell. He loves to watch him. He hates to see him beat his team. But he came in and he said, Dad, did you hear about Mitchell and Gobert? And I said, yeah, I read the story. And he goes, so they're going to have to break them up. And I said, well, they'll. I said, there was a line in the story that said cooler heads will, are expected to prevail. And it appears that's what's happening. But Donovan Mitchell was not particularly pleased with uh, Rudy Gobert that night and in the subsequent aftermath. And in your opinion, I know they'll get past it, but in your opinion, how much of a, of a chasm is there in that relationship between the two, you know, franchise players there in Salt Lake City? Well, I don't think they'll, you know, ever be, you know, best the best of friends. Um, but, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, the story was worded the way it was in terms of, you know, cooler heads are expected to prevail is, you know, the Jazz are not a reactive front office. And, you know, they are, they're a, they're a small market and, you know, they know that, you know, it took, it took a lot of work to get these two together. Uh, to the point where you know it's it's a 50 win team and a team that can can you know uh, potentially um, you know compete for for a home court spot in the playoffs you know so you know they're not gonna break that those guys up 
uh, in their prime unless they absolutely have to. And they don't feel as an organization that they're anywhere near having to break those guys up. Um, you know, so even though, even though those guys, you know, have not had a perfect relationship, um, you know, the, the jazz, um, have, you know, were not, uh, at a position where, um, they're not at a position or, or a place where they were th- even thinking about, uh, making changes to the core. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to be conversations that are going to have to be had. Of course, um, they're going to be, um, issues that have to be dealt with between those two. Um, but you know, the feeling is that those two can absolutely coexist together on the same team. You know, the interesting thing is that Gobert and, and I guess as we continue to learn more about the virus and how, how, uh, what the attack rate is and just how contagious it is in in some ways Rudy Gobert is going to go down as an accidental hero in this thing because if if he doesn't uh, go to the doctors that day and if he doesn't test if they don't get the test and he plays in that game in that environment and maybe some of the conference tournaments around the country don't get canceled some of the other NBA games don't get canceled there's a lot of mass gatherings that would have happened and a lot of people potentially I suppose would have been exposed had that not happened that night in Oklahoma City? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, that Rudy's, you know, I think that, that Rudy's um, diagnosis, I mean, I, you know, I think it saved a, a, a lot of people from getting sick um, and it potentially saved some lives. So, you know, I think, um, I think it's one of the, I think it's fortunate in that sense that, you know, it happened um, so quickly. Um, I think it's fortunate that the Jazz were able to, to have the process expedited into to to uh, getting um, a sample um, and and getting a, a diagnosis of that sample. Um, you know, so I, I think I also think that uh, uh, the Jazz, you know did a lot of good in trying to figure out, um, you know, where to go from, 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 from that point. So, um, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's one of those things where while it was, it was definitely a, a startling moment, um, uh, it turned into a productive moment as well. Tony, as always, man, thanks so very much. I'm glad you're well. And, um, hopefully you get to get back to covering some hoops. I know a lot of people out there were just die for the normalcy of it and maybe they'll get it and uh, again thanks again for the time really appreciate it oh uh, thank you so much for having me so i i really um i really appreciate uh you know you always being willing to 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 get me on i appreciate it thank you again stay safe absolutely Took a break in the podcast today to tell you about Community Mortgage, Oxford, Memphis, Soto County, and Chattanooga. Underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. They're getting local underwriting and understand your market, a leader in condo financing, and the float down options. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Also brought to you by Specialty Orthopedic Group. The big thing with them, they are open in Tupelo and Oxford. You can skip the ER for urgent ortho-related injuries at both locations. Also offering virtual health telemedicine. Patients have direct access to all SOG physicians and nurse practitioners. Also 24-hour access to appointments at 662-767-4200 or SOGMS.com. No referrals are needed. 
and walk-ins are welcome there with Special Orthopedic Group. Again, Oxford and Tupelo locations are open. Podcast also brought to you by G&M Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs. G&M on South Lamar in Oxford, but the big deal right now, they deliver locally in the Oxford area to your home or workplace. They take care of you. During this COVID-19 pandemic, also uh, they offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day every month. Make the trip says, uh, as infrequent as possible, limit exposure, and help you out. GNM 662-236-2222. Podcast is also brought to you by In-House Interior and Design with Nikki and Ashley. You have more than 30 years of combined experience in their field. You can have a number right now. You can text or call 662-681-6241. You're home a lot. Maybe you see something around the house that you want to get done now or at a later time when it is a little more possible with everything going on. They have full contractor crews available when that time comes. They offer free client or, uh, they offer free client gifts too for first-time clients. And uh, they have dorm room appointments. Hopefully we are started back in the fall for that. So take advantage of that and much more. 662-681-6241 is the phone number. Again, to call or text. They're with in-house interior and design. And finally, but not the least, the podcast is brought to you by Visit Oxford. VisitOxfordMS.com is the website. Go there. See how to support Oxford during COVID-19. You can see all your options for delivery, for curbside uh, restaurants, for services. They have lists for that, as well as uh, how to help the hospitality in- industry during this time, including tip roulette. They have information on that and more. Click the tab at the very top of the page. Again, how to support Oxford during COVID-19. That's VisitOxfordMS.com. Thanks to Tony and Neil for uh, taking care of that there as we uh, continue to uh, talk to several different guests today. We have one more remaining. We're going to go down to Neil discussing uh, Dead Soxie with uh, with founder Jason Simmons. So that's coming up here on the Oxford Exxon podcast and the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Jason Simmons, the uh, founder, chief visionary of Dead Soxie, kind enough to join us on the podcast. Uh, first of all, Jason, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of uh, the MPW Digital family now for a while for, with RebelGrove.com. And we've uh, certainly appreciated the partnership over the years. Man, Neil, so have we. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on here and chat with you. Uh, we have also really enjoyed our partnership. I'm happy to be here. So we'll get to Dead Soxie in a minute, but um, I, I've gotten where I kind of do this with everybody. I mean, you know, there's a professional side to all of us. There's also a personal side to all of us. What has uh, what has this situation, this pandemic been like? How has it impacted your, your life, your everyday life? Neil, it's changed everything. Um, like almost everybody that's probably going to listen to this podcast, we were caught flat-footed. Uh, personally and professionally. Uh, Personally, you know, this uh, live from home, work from home life has just dramatically changed everything. You know, now all of my meetings are over Zoom uh, versus in person. Um, Just wasn't prepared really for this in, in any possible way and really still don't know how to do it well. You know, I'm still kind of figuring out what the day looks like and how to manage a team, how to communicate, um, how to run projects and and just overall live visit my son I uh, it's it's strange so I uh, I, I co-parent uh, with his mother and uh, we, we have a great relationship and we manage that really really well uh, but I've been the one kind of running to the grocery store for them and and whatnot and it's so weird so I go and drop off groceries at her house and um, and I do it outside and uh, leave them on the porch. She walks out and sprays them down with Lysol and, you know, or lets them sit out there uh, a few hours. And I don't even have contact or I haven't had much contact with my son just because 
we're taking this very, very seriously, maybe too seriously. I don't know, you know, but I definitely don't want to be the cause for anything negative. Um, and certainly, you know, going to the grocery store here and, you know, exposes me to a lot of things. So it's just, it's been a wild ride, Neil. Yeah. It, it, you know, my parents live in town, uh, they're in their seventies and they're healthy and all that stuff, but you know, we've been very careful. I mean, I, I haven't, uh, we've, we've seen them, we went over and socially distanced visit visited them outside and kept 10 12 feet apart and right. you know um just little stuff you know i mean just right. it's uh it's crazy um all right so obviously that soxy was probably when you were putting together your plan for the year you didn't say all right so let's uh let's think how, <laughs> how will we handle the the pandemic when it rolls around and the economy uh takes a nosedive I'm, I'm going to assume that wasn't part of your uh your business plan if it was man kudos to you but uh right. I, I'm, I'm guessing that it wasn't how has this uh this impacted you all because i know that you were you, you had a lot of momentum as a company uh your product is fantastic and uh, and and people love it and and i know you had expanded into some other markets and that kind of thing yet at the same time i mean you're, you're sort of like me right i mean you are Socks are a necessity, but people don't necessarily like like websites is not a necessity. Uh, you know, right. and people don't. People might not say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get some um, some upscale socks today uh, in right. the middle of a pandemic." How have you all sort of kept it rolling? You know what, man? Um, definitely weren't planning on this being uh, a part of 2020 for us. Um, and to be really keen. And as I mentioned, we were really caught flat-footed and honestly a little bit slower to respond than I would have hoped. And I certainly would go back and, and make, make some changes, but nevertheless, we're here. So uh, let me just kind of put some flavor around Dead Soxy for you so you've got a good idea of who we are and kind of how we um, make money as a company. We wholesale our socks. We make custom socks. We private label socks. And we also obviously sell direct to consumer on our website. And three of those four revenue streams have gone to zero or near zero, which is just unbelievable, really unfathomable. But um, and even our wholesale channel. So when we so we sell socks to you know uh, retailers like Nielsen's. Nielsen's been a great partner for us uh, for about three years now. And Lane is awesome. Um, but I don't. I don't fault him for this, uh, but you know they've canceled their order um, for this spring, and and as have almost a hundred percent of our other retailers. We are, we're in 180 retailers right now, uh, trying to get to 500 as fast as possible. Um, but the problem with that is like. Uh, we attend markets each season and we meet buyers and that's kind of that whole process. They come by our booth, they demo our product, we sell them the product, etc. cetera. Uh, but that's on a year out lag. Okay. So uh, we're shipping orders right now uh, in spring that were ordered last fall and also last spring. And all of those orders have been canceled. So not only did it go to zero, we're at a negative because we've already paid to have those socks made, paid to have them, you know, shipped to our warehouse and getting ready to ship them out to the retailers. So um, we've already, you know, incurred that cost. And so, you know, when we looked at this um, as a company, it was very, very scary and still is, no question about it. But we have we already have all of these socks in our warehouse. And that's one asset that we have. So instead of just trying to stick to our pricing and stick to kind of who we are as a company, uh, what we decided to do is to just lower our prices as much as we 
possibly could um, to, to basically, you know, zero margin numbers almost um, to get those socks onto people and out into the world. Uh, you know, when we kind of had our brainstorm and we looked at financially what this is going to do for the company, um, the plan was, hey, you know, how can we survive this? How can we kind of limp through and, and make it? And one of the suggestions that came up by one, a team member was, hey, let's lower our costs. Let's, you know, get these socks out in the world as much as possible. Um, even if we don't make a dollar or two dollars on a pair, they're much better out in the world than they are in our warehouse. Because what most people don't realize is that we pay, you know, about two pennies every single month for every single pair to store them in our warehouse. And so those costs, you know, add up pretty quick. If you've got, you know, 180,000 pairs of socks in your warehouse, uh, you can kind of do the math. You know, that's, that's money out. That's a fixed expense. Versus if we sell a few of those, you know, that's at least money in, although we're not making very much money on those. Again, it's a, it's a better move for us financially to just get them out into the world. Um, but I will tell you, you know, <clears throat> as bad as this is, um, we're seeing some opportunity because the momentum on the website has been fantastic. And really, uh, thank you for helping us get the message out there because that, that's been a big, big driver of our recent success um, and our, our ability to grow the community and the support that we've gotten from the Rebel Grove community and, and a couple of other partners that we have has just been outstanding, man. I, I am so grateful for our relationship and our partnership and you kind of helping us get the word out there because without that, without that reach, of you know us discounting these socks and kind of getting the word out because we really hadn't advertised this other than you and our, our a few other podcast partners that we worked with we have not run ads to this sale or anything like that because truth be told we didn't really want to turn it on for new customers um we wanted to turn it on for people that we we know and have about us or have tried our socks uh, it wasn't really for new customers now we're having to rethink that a little bit uh, but there is opportunity out there, and I, I'm I'm excited. We can kind of maybe talk about this a little later, but we're going to do something really, really cool for everybody that's supported us uh, during this time. Um, so whenever we decide to turn this sale off, I'm not going to give too much details right now, but um, whenever we decide, hey, this is over and we've made it, uh, we're going to do something really, really dramatic and uh, meaningful for everybody that has placed an order from basically March the 1st uh, until whenever we turn this thing off and whenever this thing is over, we are going to do something really cool to, to thank them. Um, so there is opportunity out there. And I think the opportunity is like, you know, it's a great time to communicate. It's a great time to be real and be human um, and, and tell the story. And that's what we've tried to do is to, to loop in our group and, uh, and tell them what we're going through. And hopefully, you know, they, they'll support us. And, and they have so far. And I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. And, and the most re recent thing, the $10, you know, you, if for every new, you use your referral code and for every uh, new customer you produce that they make a sale, they get, they get $10 in, in socks. You get $10 in socks as a, right. a pretty easy way to, uh, to pile up your, to t I guess, to take advantage of the situation and pile up your sock inventory. That's for sure. No doubt about it. You know, we actually rolled that out um, a few months ago, and and it's been received really well. And if you look at the prices on the site right now, I mean, you can go get, you know, almost two pairs of socks for free for just 
the ten dollar referral program, you know. So, and people have been using the heck out of that thing. And every time we meet a new customer, um, you know, we we treat them just like we've known them for forever, and they're they're a part of our community. So yeah, that that's been a big driver for us. So I know one of the things that kind of motivated you to do this was also kind of kept some of your people employed, or are all of your people employed, which. Um, that is a big deal these days. I mean, right. there's so much. I mean, unemployment numbers are staggering. I don't even like thinking about them. They <coughs> frankly, they stress me out. But but um, wow, you know they uh, yeah they're there. And they're real. And and you guys, um, I'm sure that was something that you know you had to have those kinds of conversations too. But that's what you decided to do, which I thought was um, was admirable. Right. Right. Thank you. Yeah. You know what, man? Um, we've got a tight team. You know, there's there's about 20 of us. Um, we're all consultants, so none of us are W-2, including myself, which has put us in a really interesting predicament with the relief offered by the federal government. We don't really qualify for a lot of the, the relief because uh, that's really meant for W-2 employees that are on, quote, payroll. Um, so once we kind of found out that, hey, we're not going to qualify for a lot of this stuff um, because of uh, how I've chosen to run the company. And, um, you know, I'm kind of laying on that grenade a little bit right now, but <clears throat> decisions were made a long time ago. So, yeah, really tough. So we've, we're all consultants and, and we typically hire, you know, less experienced, younger types um, that I can, that are interested in freelancing. Um, now, all of these people, I say consultants, but, you know, we, we pay them every month. It's just the ability as a business owner to scale up or scale down depending upon what project we need. But every one of them has been paid every month for, you know, years or however long been around. And the conversations that we were having, you know, early on and, and really still having early on were, really really difficult um uh, several several people came to me early on and said hey you know you're the last uh the last employer that's that's still paying us um or still paying me uh, please please don't cut it off you know i mean you have eight out of the 20 employees coming to you and saying something along those lines it's up to me to figure out how to make it work because the view is dis you know, disband our team, um, or, you know, potentially lose some employees. We've got a really great group. I, I am so confident and I enjoy working with our team so much. Um, we've trained them all up for exactly what we need, et cetera. So having to do all that over just seems like a silly, silly use of time when really what I want to do is keep us all together. Um, uh, so we, we got together as a team, <clears throat> And kind of racked our brain on like, hey, how can we make this happen? And we came up with numbers. We cut, you know, bits and things like that. And the whole goal was to keep our team together. Um, so what we decided to do, exactly what, you know, we kind of put in that initial email is like, hey, we're going to lower these prices. Um, we're going to cut every expense that we possibly can other than employee salaries. And every dollar that we make is going to go to them to, to kind of keep them employed and keep them churning forward to deliver value to our community. That's our whole value prop. You know, it's like um, each person has a role and uh, that role is pivotal. We, we really can't operate as a company without every single person uh, that we have today operating at, at a full capacity. It's been tough, though, man. It's been really, really tough, um, and it's probably going to get tougher. And that's what I'm—I'm I'm a little worried about. But um, 
but our goal is to keep everybody together and um, and and cut it every other expense in in other areas, not not employees. Sorry, my uh, my, my computer went out for a second. It's one of those things that I. I, I, people ask me all the time, you know, are you, are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? Whatever. I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't think you have any choice, but try to be up, try to be optimistic, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. And, and that's kind of, if you do that, I right. think that's, that, that mindset typically works. Right. Right. I hope so. You know, the, the, the kind of X factor is how long? You know, how long are we going to be looking to do this and how long are we going to be in this situation to where we've scaled down every single software platform that we use as a company? And we're, we're really tech heavy. Uh, and I know we talked about that, you know, probably a year ago when we first started this relationship. But I was a consultant. Uh, but I started this company and metrics and numbers are where I spend my time. And, um, you know, we we had to scale down on every single platform eliminated a whole bunch of costs uh, you probably have uh, seen some communications that we've sent out or on different platforms cheaper versions of the platforms that we've been using and all of that is is a way to save money so we can pay our team yeah you know i don't i just don't think it can last a lot longer um i think at some point and i think it's becoming pretty obvious that if you read some of the clues that are out there i think at the very minimum we're going to have some sort of a managed uh, rollout of a uh, of a reboot, if you will. I mean, I don't know what all the terms are. I've never been through this before, right. um, you know. But I, I think no later <laughs> no later than May first, whatever. I mean, or that week, whatever week that is. I mean, I, I mean, we're taping this on the thirteenth. If you told me that started next Monday, that some sort of a rollout began, it's just going to be. I was just thinking about this a few minutes ago before we started talking. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those deals where people are going to have to take care of one another and in a way that it's it's you know this this thing whether people like it or not whether people acknowledge it or not this thing has connected us in ways that i don't right. i don't know that, that everyone's acknowledged you know everybody's republican or democrat and they're pro-trump or anti-trump and they're this or they're that but we're all impacted i mean we are all interrelated on this thing and, and we're all human yeah and then when we come back from this the process of coming back from this, you know, it's going to be up to the person who wakes up that morning with a sore throat, who wakes up that morning with a headache, who says, you know, in the past, I would have pressed through right. this. I would have gone to work. I would have pushed through it. You know, I'm a tough guy. Um, I don't miss. I can't miss. It's going to be up right. to that person. I've been to, that guy. Yeah, I have too. It's going to be up to that person to call and say, hey, I, I don't need to come in today. I, I can work online. And then it's going to be up to that person's boss to say, you know, this person in the past would have pushed through and he or she isn't. And I'm going to say that's smart because otherwise we're going to get people yep. back into the workplace and people are going to go to big parties and people are going to go to church and they're going to go to funerals and they're going to go to weddings and they're going to go to all these things. And before you know it, we're going to be, we're going to have a spike again. And then there's going to be all this pressure to, to shut it down again. I mean, I've already, I read a story this morning about 18 months of cycles, economic cycles. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, but I, I that's, that's where it's going to really come down to from a, from a, just, it's going to come down to people taking right. care of each other. And if I'm honest, sometimes that's the things that's kind of scares me the most, but we have no choice, but to all try to do it together because we're either going to sort of all win or we're going to sort of all lose. 
you're right. There is, you know, no more real fact than we are all in this together. And it doesn't matter if you're a college student and perfectly healthy um, or, you know, a geriatric older person that's got some, you know, pre-existing uh, health conditions. We're all, ex- you know, experiencing this together. And, I, you know, if there is a silver lining, maybe it does bring us a little closer together as humanity. I, you know, we certainly need that. I feel like we're more divided than ever. Um, not trying to have a political conversation, you know, but I think that plays a lot into it. And I'm, I, I'm hopeful that the byproduct of this is that we realize that we're all human and um, we're, we're all going through this together. So for people who want to uh, to get in touch with you, you guys at Dead Soxy, I know the website's great. DeadSoxy.com is there. Uh, is there is there a code they need to enter? Is there a, a something they need to do to take advantage of some of the opportunities that are there for them? That's a great question. Actually, um, we turned off all the codes. Now, if you're a rewards member, then we still honor um, all of the promotional activity there uh, because we want to treat reward member uh, rewards members like they have status because they do. Um, but as far as sales, no more sales. Uh, we've lowered the prices and leveled the playing field for everybody that hits the website. Um, that's our only revenue stream right now. So that website sales, they, that has to carry the entire company and pay every single salary and pay to have socks made this fall, et cetera. Um, so they can find us at deadsoxy.com or at deadsoxy on all the socials. Um, and, uh, and you know, yeah, no codes. But I, I, I do want to mention this just real quick. Uh, we are, and I don't know if you've mentioned this to your audience yet, but... Uh, we're really excited about this Father's Day program that we're rolling out, and this will be the first time that we've ever done kids' socks, and we're doing them in the uh, red and navy powder blue colorways and also uh, some purple and gold colorways. Um, so I would love for your community, uh, for everybody in your community that has a kid from you know 5 to 10 years old, that's the size socks that we're focusing on, not, not youth, but more, uh, more kids. Um, we're going to have identical socks for dad, for mom, and for kids. The first time we've ever done it. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. And they're going to be in your favorite colors too. So, Yeah, that is cool. I, I look forward to look forward Those to- will be launched. Uh, yeah, sorry. Th- those will be launched sometime in, uh, in, in mid to late May. Okay, cool. We'll be looking for that. Well, listen, Jason, uh, I appreciate the time so much. I hope you uh, and yours stay safe and uh, take care. And we'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Hey, Neil, man, I really appreciate it, too. Thank you so much, buddy. All right, man, talk to you soon. Thanks to all three guests today, Taylor and Tony and Jason. Appreciate all you guys listening and Neil taking care of those interviews. We will have more podcasts for you throughout the week. We'll let you know our schedule, the, as far as we know it, I guess, the best we can as far as in advance for that. We'll uh, we'll do at least a night show. We'll have some, some afternoon stuff, and uh, we'll go from there. So we'll let you know. Appreciate all of you, as always, rebelgrove.com is the website. MPW Digital is the way to find all of our podcasts, and we'll talk to you again soon.